I loved Kevin Costner in Prince of Thieves. I Robin Hood Prince of Thieves was one of those yes. movies that I was obsessed with. Okay, so when I was a kid, um, I'm about to be vulnerable here. What I used to do <laughs> is this is a safe space. I would, <laughs> I would get a tape recorder and I would put it in front of the TV while the movie played, and I would record the entire movie on cassette tapes. Oh my god, that's amazing! And then later, I would go take the cassette tape to my room and play it, and I would act out the parts, and yes. I would like lip sync the yes. parts. So I was Maid Marion. In that movie. It's amazing. I, I mean, I would act so out the whole thing because it was like just yeah. the sound. It's like I was doing um, very long TikToks <laughs> back in it the 80s. Her for TikTok. <laughs> I think it was the 90s when that came out. Yeah. And let me tell you, um, I did that <clears throat> far longer than 1991. You should have. So I was 10 or 11 then. That's normal. But I probably did it even when I was like 15. That's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It was also, it made me very happy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if that's what kept you entertained, then why not? That's a simple, innocent pleasure. This came up because Kara was talking about how she started watching Tombstone. Tombstone? No. Nope. Yellowstone. Yellowstone. I do love Tombstone. <laughs> Megan's obsessed with Tombstone. And Kevin Costner is beautiful. Mm-hmm. I loved him. Ages I've always so loved him. Well. Dances with Wolves. Great. Yeah. Uh, Anything. Baseball, maybe. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, field of... No. No. I no. mean, yes, Field of Dreams, but that's not what I'm talking about. Um, oh, you know, with Susan Sarandon and... Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, my God. I'm so angry that I can't uh, think of it because it's great. It's so great. Uh, oh, God, it's beautiful. Crap. The Untouchables. Field of Dreams. I know that one. Highwaymen. Oh, Open Range. This is a Kevin Costner appreciation podcast yes. now. Susan Sarandon baseball movie? Is that what you... I do love Susan Bull Durham. Wasn't he in Bull Durham? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Costner, right yeah. there. Okay. Such a great movie. I promise it's really worth mem- remembering. <laughs> I'm just bad at remembering. All right. So we are here. Did we say this is the Witch's Magic Murder oh, Mystery Podcast? Hey, guys. I'm Kara. Okay. I'm Megan. Okay. This is Olive. Olive's here. She's, She's asleep. She's precious and perfect and wonderful. She's so cute. We are here with a full episode. Yep. In person. In person. And we love it. And I don't have COVID. <laughs> oh, my God. We didn't get it up somehow. I Just know. Miraculously. It was great. I think we talked about this on the Patreon episode, but we haven't recorded one of these yet. The um, reason why we had to skip a random week in the middle of all that oh, was yeah. because I got COVID. COVID attacked her. The day that I held Olive well, for an also, hour. I think it was the day that she was like, guys, I've somehow beat this. <laughs> Yeah, and I did get a couple Instagram messages on our podcast account. They were like, weren't you just bragging about how you hadn't got COVID? And I was like, mind your business. Don't come at me. It's like the one flex I had on people, and now it's gone. No, you don't have that. I know. Now what am I going to brag about? How will I feel superior to everyone else? (laughs) We're going to have to come up with something. (laughs) Okay, so full episode today. And... Going back to my roots, Put missing person. Roots. Going back to my roots. Showed up and ruined your black tie fair. Okay. How do we decide this boy's name was said? Eddie Spaghetti. Negretti. Negretti mm-hmm. Spaghetti. Yep. It rhymes with spaghetti. Uh-huh. We determined that by watching a YouTube video. So if we're wrong, it's Go after that his fault. Mm-hmm. Negretti. Negretti. Spaghetti. Spaghetti. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? Negretti to spaghetti? To hear about Negretti? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Sure am. <laughs> Michael William Negretti. Mm-hmm. 
was born on March 25th, 1981. Okay. His dad was an engineer. His mom was a teacher. I think she was actually a professor at a college. Mm-hmm. Michael was this funny, popular kid. He was super into video games, especially like the multiplayer online games. Oh, yeah. And it also sounds like he was really big into pop culture. Like one article called him a walking encyclopedia for everything related to Star Wars and The Simpsons. Oh, my God. Oh, so he's the great. Simpsons. Mm-hmm. A girl he dated at one point said that her favorite thing about him was how he could just quote movies and TV shows verbatim. Oh, <laughs> so he does sound really fun. I know. Michael was also really into music, a passion that he had discovered in middle school. He played trumpet in the school orchestra. Oh. Do you play any instruments? No, sure didn't. I play piano. Do you, Not well. Would you say the recorder is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd count it. I'd count it. <laughs> Ella is like learning how to play piano. We have a piano in the basement and she's watching TikTok videos to teach herself how to play like different pop songs. It's really cute. And she's, I mean, she's pretty good. I'm impressed with it. So I bought her a Taylor Swift book of music, but she's not really, I'm trying to teach her to read music, but you know. It's so hard. She's just like, or I can watch the TikTok video. I also played the clarinet in fifth grade. And if you're going to be like a cool kid, Mm -hmm. the clarinet was not. Not it. It was not the thing to play, at least not. Not not in 1991 in Lancaster Elementary. No. No. The cool kids played the saxophone or the flute. Ooh, I was going to say the snare drums. I don't even think we had percussion. I don't think there was any of that. It was just like wind instruments and horns and. There I am with the clarinet, which was... Everybody just staring at you. And hard. <laughs> it's so hard. My brother Josh played the drums. Mm-hmm. He's still probably pretty good at Yeah, it. like once you got older and there were drums involved, obviously that's the cool thing. But Okay, so Michael loved John Coltrane, mm. the famous saxophone player. Yes. And Michael's AOL handle, AOL, was even train fan one because he just loved John Coltrane. That so much. that's pretty great, too. It's a pretty cool... Um, Like musical idol to have, you know. After middle school, Michael attended Long Beach Polytechnical High School. He was a polymath. And and people knew his love for and gift of music. He played in countless performances and made friends with another musician, a guy named Chris, who taught him how to play the steel drums. Okay. In 1997, Michael and his family moved to San Diego. Mm -hmm. Again, Michael is just this funny, talented, likable guy. So he had no trouble making friends when his family moved. And he joined the marching band at his new high school. Mm -hmm. He also played in a band called Island Fever. I think he played the steel drums in that band from 1997 to 1999. And they said they would do performances at like the San Diego Zoo and everything. So it wasn't just at school events. He would also kind of be out in the community playing. And Michael wasn't just a popular, funny guy. He was also super goal-oriented and he got straight A's in school. Okay. And it wasn't just like he wanted to jam out with his music, although he did enjoy that. Right. Um, And sometimes he and his brother would have these really long jam sessions. But Michael also wanted to go on and pursue higher education related to music. His senior year in high school, he joined the San Diego Youth Symphony playing the trumpet, which was a huge accomplishment. And he applied for colleges with prestigious music programs and actually got a music scholarship to UCLA. Oh. Michael was thrilled and immediately committed. Right. So... In the fall of 1999, Michael moved into his dorm room on UCLA's campus. 
on the sixth floor of, oh, dang it. That's the word I meant to look. I remember to look up his name, but not this one. D-Y-K-S-T-R-A. Dykstra? <laughs> what else? How else would you pronounce? Dykstra. Dykstra. Hall. <laughs> Let's just call it his dorm. Okay. Mm-hmm. On the sixth floor of the dorm room. Mm-hmm. Dormitory. Dorm. Okay. Quarters. He made some new friends, but also kept in touch with some of his high school friends, too. So that guy, Chris, who I said taught him to play the steel drums. I'm not sure if Chris went to UCLA with him or if they just stayed in touch. But Michael, Chris, and another guy started their own steel drum band, too. So Michael's just kind of staying busy, playing in bands, keeping his music stuff alive. The fall semester begins, and he's doing great. He made a real impression on people at UCLA. Some of his professors referred to him as a musical prodigy. Oh, His grades were perfect, and he had a lot of things going for him. Yeah. Then on December 9th, 1999, Michael attended classes and then performed at a music concert that night. He got back to his dorm after the concert and joined in a birthday celebration for one of the guys that lived on his hall. I know. I'm like right back in college just remembering all these kind of things. He had a margarita, joined in the party, and just was his usual self. Outgoing, friendly, funny. He had a good time. Yeah. So I looked it up. December 9th, 1999 was a Thursday. So I'm assuming they either didn't have classes the next day or he just skipped them or something. Because finals week was the following week. So I'm thinking maybe Uh, they were actually off to prepare for finals. So the party goes pretty late into the night. And Michael goes back to his room around 3 o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. But he wasn't ready to go to sleep yet. Remember, he's a gamer. So he logged on his computer to play Quake. Which I never played, but I remember hearing about it. Like, it was a pretty big game back in the day. I also love video games, but, like... (laughs) See, did too. Yeah, did you love video games? Mostly, like, arcade stuff, like Castlevania and Super Mario Brothers and, like, all the, you know, the original stuff. And then when I was in college, I was really into, like, Resident Evil and the whole Resident Evil series. And all just the creepy, scary games, obviously. Very on-brand. I never did play any of the, like, online Mm -hmm. multiplayer games. Anyway, Michael actually ends up playing against a guy who lived down the hall from him. And this guy won. So then he and Michael met up outside their dorm and like high-fived. And Michael (laughs) made some kind of joke about winning a potential rematch. I'm sure he's just like, I'll get you next time. You know, enjoy it, dude, because you're going to lose. And then at 4 a.m., do you remember what it was like to just be young and stay up all night? I probably got 12 hours of sleep my entire first semester of college. Yeah. And my grades reflected it. <laughs> it was not good. I was like a straight A student. I go to college and I'm like, what? What is, this what is all this freedom I have? I'm just going to do it. Who all? needs to go to class when yeah. you can just not sleep? Ever? Right. Right. Yeah. My social life was great. <laughs> my my academic life, not so hot. No, social life, outstanding. Yeah. Anyway, 4 a.m., Michael's back in his dorm room, and his roommate sees him before drifting off to sleep. Like, okay. his, I don't know if his roommate had stayed up the whole time, too, or maybe he just, like, woke up when yeah, Michael came when back came in. in. But at any rate, his roommate saw Michael around 4 a.m. Okay. and then drifts off back to sleep. And then when his roommate wakes up later that morning, Michael's gone. Hmm. His shoes, jacket, instruments, and wallet were still there. Oh. But Michael was not. Apparently, the shoe thing is particularly weird because Michael hated walking barefoot and never oh. left his room without wearing shoes. I know. No. I don't know that life. No, I'm I barefoot all the time. I love to have my shoes. I'm barefoot right now. Yes. So now it's the weekend, right? 
and Michael didn't have any other obligations. So nobody got super concerned about it until okay. the following Monday when he didn't show up for his first final exam. Oh. And again, Michael's like a straight A student. Right. Super goal oriented. Right. He's made a big impression on his professors. Yeah. Everybody knows. Yeah. He wouldn't just blow off a final. Right. So that's when people from the school got in touch with Michael's parents. And like I think they were like, do you, is he with you? Like, yeah, do, like do what's you going on? know where he is? Because yeah. it would make sense as his parents that if he's not here, you probably know where he is. And of course they didn't. And they immediately report him missing. Okay. And everyone kept hoping he would just show up. He had two more final exams. He didn't show up for either one of them. There was like a, oh. like one of the campus police officers kind of set in on one of his exams just to see, to see if he showed up. Yeah. He never did. He had a performance scheduled. He didn't show up huh. for it. Which was also bizarre because yeah. he loved me. He's like, he would not just blow things off, yeah. right? UCLA responded quickly, and several people around the campus started donating and volunteering to help oh. search. Many of them contributed to a reward for finding Michael, which this eventually grew to $100,000. Oh, my gosh. And then another $19,000 was donated toward search efforts. Oh, wow. Police began formal search efforts on that Monday, December 13th. UCLA's campus is 400 acres. Oh, my gosh. I know. What? And so that's where they started. And they searched, obviously, his whole dorm, the garbage chutes yeah. in his dorm and everything. Yeah. But they also searched the whole campus, including elevator shafts, underground tunnels, every construction site on campus, and a wooded area behind Michael's dorm. They brought in search dogs and everything, and they found nothing, except huh. there was a bloodhound that picked up a scent that went from Michael's dorm and ended at a nearby on-campus bus stop. And Michael didn't have a car, so it makes sense that right. he would right. be on the bus. Okay. And then a local bus driver was like, you know what? I did pick up two students about five hours after Michael disappeared. And one of those students did kind of look like Michael. But then they end up figuring out that the bloodhound had actually tracked a different scent. Like, it was tricky because, like, oh. it's this dorm. And yeah. it's a hallway where they're in and out of each other's rooms. Mm-hmm. And there had been a party that night. So the bloodhound had actually tracked the scent of a different student, not Michael. So that lead led nowhere. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Police also questioned Michael's friends and other people who knew him, placing particular focus on the people who were at the party that night. Okay. Nobody saw anything weird. Like I said, Michael was just his usual self. And sure. His roommate saw him at 4 a.m. Right. And like nothing weird happened. He wasn't acting strange. There was nothing at the party that happened, like no conflict whatsoever. Yeah. He had had some alcohol, but like, I mean, he's a freshman in college. They right. all do. And nobody acted like he had any sort of, any like excessive. I mean, yeah. he did go on to play the game later. So right. like he was obviously not. Wasty pants. Right. So this is wild to me. But police had every single person who went to the party take a polygraph ah, test. What? Where are your parents? Did what? they allow that? Why'd y'all agree to this? Right. Two of those showed deceptive answers and one failed completely, but it's a polygraph test. I would fail it just sitting down. And these are college students who might be worried about any sort of thing, right? Like right. getting in trouble for 
being drinking yeah. or drugs or whatever. And so I don't push me- put much weight on those test right. results. And one of the sergeants involved was even quoted in the San Diego Union Tribune saying that the findings could be inaccurate due to the way the polygraphs were conducted at the time. Whatever that means. Right. Okay. So we know Michael disappeared sometime after 4 a.m. when his roommate last saw him and 9 a.m. when his roommate woke up. So now as a security measure, his dorm had like hall monitors set up. So like if someone wanted to enter the dorms during the early morning hours, they had to show their student ID. So when police questioned the door monitor who had been on duty that morning Uh at the dorm, they were like, we never saw Michael exit. When police questioned the door monitor who had been on duty that morning at the dorm, they said they'd never noticed Michael exit or attempt to reenter the dorm. They hadn't seen anything suspicious at all. That's wild. Then the search went beyond the UCLA campus. They went to hospitals, homeless shelters. They checked out clubs where people played music because they were like, oh, yeah. If he just left on his own, maybe he's out there watching music because that's a thing he would do. They talked to neighborhood teens to see if there was anything in their rumor mill. Like, had anybody seen anything or heard anything? Was anybody talking about it? And nothing. Nobody uncovered any kind of dark, dirty secrets, no hidden life, nothing dangerous that Michael was involved in. Like, there's nothing here that points to, like, suspicious activity. Right. There were basically no leads at all until July 2000 when a new witness comes forward. And I say new witness, but this witness says that they did talk to campus police back when Michael first disappeared and that police just didn't take it seriously. Okay. But the campus police kind of dispute that, so I'm not really sure what happened. Right. The witness said they had seen a white man in his 30s inside the dorm near Michael's sixth floor room. And so then they hypnotized the witness, which I'm like, whoa, okay. You did? And under hypnosis, the witness describes the man for a composite sketch. He was reportedly wearing, I know. I mean, I'm surprised they went for the hypnosis. He was reportedly wearing a gray jacket with a turquoise design and was described as white, 35 years old, five foot seven inches tall with a heavy build and no facial hair. This man has never been identified. Time traveler. Yeah, (laughs) clearly. Then there's also a witness, and it might be the same witness. I'm a little unclear on that too. But he says they saw someone who looked like Michael outside of the dorm building at around 4.35 in the morning. Okay. But then the security person says that they didn't see Michael leave. Right. But there's always the, like, you have to allow for human error. Yeah. Like, maybe the security person just wasn't paying attention. Maybe they'd gone to the bathroom. Maybe they were... Did they have phones in 1999? I can't. I think we did, but not. It was like the phone where you played Nibbler. Yes. Yes. (laughs) There was no smartphone. So I don't know if they were distracting. Yeah. So if you're like me and you always have this moment of maybe it was Israel Keys. Whenever someone disappears in the early 2000s. I did sort of look into that and nobody has connected Israel Keys to this one. And going into a college dorm wasn't really Key's style. Yeah. It seems like he usually either stalked his victims or he hung out in places where some unlucky person might stumble upon him. So going out and just walking through a dorm in the middle of the night doesn't sound like him. So I don't think, you know, but I just always think of it. Okay. Michael's bank account, social security number, and grocery store card have not been used since his disappearance. Okay. There have been no publicly identified suspects or persons of interest. And honestly, they don't even have any theories. We do know that police don't think that Michael left his dorm willingly that night because he'd left his wallet, shoes, and basically anything that meant anything. Right, anything of value Mm -hmm. to him in his dorm. Detectives told a local paper that they'd investigated all sorts of angles, including Michael being lured into a religious cult or overdosing on drugs. It is believed that Michael is dead and his case has been classified as a homicide. Okay. 
Detectives working Michael's case consulted a homicide profiler, which this is really interesting. It's an expert who tries to solve crimes using statistical data and criminal psychology. And the profiler advised the detectives that they had more than likely already interviewed someone who knew what happened. Right? So one of those detectives was like, I just don't see it. If we've already interviewed somebody who knows what happened, we don't know it. I don't know it. I've been fooled. And if that's the case... Man, I should just retire right now. Oh. Which it is weird to think about. I mean, there's just nothing to go on. Right. He was there, and then he wasn't, and nobody saw anything. And then that said that he's like, well, I'm just going to quit my job if I don't know how to do it anymore. Yeah, they did talk about how, like, they've lost sleep over this case. There's, like, Mm -hmm. two detectives now who just have it on their load, you know, and they work it. And it's just like, there's nothing there. Yeah. His parents had to deal with all this while still raising his two younger brothers. And I can't imagine what that must have been like. They were super involved in the search and doing lots of things to keep his name in the news. So people just wouldn't forget about it. And then they also got involved in some legislation that I'll go to in a second. They started a website called findmikenow.com. Okay. And on that site, they posted a note that said, Michael, we love you. We miss you terribly, and we think about you constantly. Our greatest wish is for you to contact us and let us know that you are all right. We will never give up looking for you. That website is gone now. Okay. And she said, huh? I don't mean this as a criticism, so it's definitely not a criticism. It's more of like a curiosity. Right. I wonder what made them just let it go. Right. I just wonder if it was something maybe for their mental peace. Right. They had to just be like, it's been... There's too many fake <laughs> 24 alerts. years. I mean, I'm being math. I'm like, it's been, can't carry the, I don't know what One. it's been. <laughs> but, you know, maybe they were just like, we got to let this go. This yeah. website hanging out there forever is just like weighing us down. Like, I know the, the strangest things can really get in your head as like a negative thing. And right. maybe they just needed to let that go. Right. Or they were tired of updating it constantly because how things Or having nothing to update. You know, having nothing new to say for years. Because there's really been nothing. I just, I don't know what to make of the fact that the website's gone. Right. And maybe it's nothing. Maybe with social media and Facebook, they're like, we don't, I mean, we don't have a website for the podcast. Because we're just like, we've got a Facebook group and Instagram. Yeah, it's more active that way. We don't, we haven't felt the need to have a website yet. And maybe we will at some point. But right now, we don't. And I mean, maybe they were just like, we don't need a main website either. We've got Facebook. Right. But I couldn't even find... A Facebook group or anything about him. It's been so long. There's really not much on there. So at this point, they're just leaving it in the hands. It may be that they just had to move on. One of the bands Michael played in, a steel drum band called Island Fever that I mentioned earlier, Uh they do still have a website. And there's a note on their website that says this. It's a note to Michael. We just want you to know that everybody loves you. If you believe you have any reason to hide or to avoid calling or writing to your family, Rest assured that it is not so. There is no blame, no judgment. Your family just needs to know if you're all right. Mm -hmm. So do your friends. If you've decided to change your life path and don't want to come back, that's your decision. You are free. Please just let us know so we can stop worrying about you. We will wish you well. If you need help, we are here for you. Just reach out and ask. We love you. Oh. I mean, yes. Oh. Uh But also, it's such a weird tone to that. Right. No, right? Right. I can't decide if they really believe that Michael left on his own accord. Okay. Or if this is like, a, oh, we're putting this out there. I guess. Because the other part is, if he's around to read that website, mm-hmm. then he had to have left of his own accord. Right. If he didn't, then he wouldn't ever receive this note anyway. Right. So maybe that's the thinking. Yeah. 
I don't know. It just makes me wonder if there's something we don't know, like that's not been made public about something it. Something hidden in there. Yeah. So then there's another weird thing. There's this Tumblr post that was apparently written by his brother, Steve, in 2013. Okay. It is linked in the show notes. He's talking about drugs and drinking. Uh, Steve was in a band called Steel Giraffe. Steel something giraffe. If you go to the it's in show notes, you'll see it. Somebody asked him a question about drugs and drinking. And he was talking about that and how he has a personal grudge against ecstasy. And he mentions that he lost his brother in 1999 and says that one thing nobody talks about is that Michael's friends verified that he had been attending raves and experimenting with different drugs, most notably ecstasy, in the weeks before he disappeared. So, Steve, if it is Steve, and it seems to be, but, you know, it's the internet and I don't want to like... Can't I yeah. have it personally verified that that's definitely Steve that wrote this yeah. post. So the author of this post goes on to say, my personal theory is that he was under the influence of ecstasy or some other substance, left the dorm for whatever reason, and was picked up by one of those people your mother warns you about. He also says Mike was unbelievably smart, a damn near genius trumpet player, and incredibly charismatic. He was also athletic and way strong enough to defend himself. To me, the only explanation is one that involves him being out of his right mind, and the simplest cause for that is drugs and alcohol. The post ends with, I miss you, Mike. I wish you could be here to see what I've accomplished in my aspirations to be like you, which is just heartbreaking. I mean, that is a decent theory. Yeah. Like, if Mike finished playing his video game and still didn't feel like going to sleep, maybe he reached out to someone to try to get some ecstasy or something. Mm -hmm. But he, if he left his dorm room, he didn't take his wallet with him. But he he could have just grabbed some cash. Maybe he didn't take his wallet because he was like, well, if somebody's going to try to rob me, this is all I've got. Mm-hmm. The whole thing about his shoes, I'm like, did he just have one pair of shoes? <laughs> right. But maybe they know like, well, he had four pairs of shoes and they're all here or something. Yeah. Everybody just talks about how he left his shoes there. And I'm like, I don't know. Did he have like sandals for the shower or something? Did he slip those on? I don't know. I or don't know. Maybe he did just walk outside barefoot. Maybe they did that. Remember how I mentioned those parents got involved in some legislation? Yes. So whenever they reported Michael missing, they kept running into issues because Michael was 18 years old. Uh, so technically an adult. He could have just disappeared. And I remember being 18. Mm-hmm. No one would have nobody, called me an adult. Nobody should be considered an adult at 18. <laughs> I mean, like I said, I got 12 hours of sleep <laughs> in like six months. Yes. I ate crap. Yeah. You don't know how to care for I yourself. was not. Yeah. I was a baby. No. No. I'm 43 now and I'm barely an adult. Right. Same. So you're not 43, but but yeah. (laughs) Michael was just considered an adult who doesn't need to be found by his parents. And this is a thing that we see a lot when we talk about adults who disappear. Yeah. There's always the question of, did this person disappear on purpose? Right. They have the right to. Right. Exactly. We talked about that with Bryce Lispisa, Mara Murray, even though we haven't done an episode on Mara Murray. You know how like there are the national databases for missing children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Yeah. At the time that Michael disappeared, there was nothing like that for missing adults. But then there was this bill proposed called Kristen's Act, and Michael's parents advocated for this bill. And it was actually passed in 2000. So this act authorized the Department of Justice to make grants to establish a national clearinghouse of missing adults and to provide technical assistance to law enforcement agencies in locating these individuals. So I'm sure a lot of us have heard of NamUs. The National Missing and Unidentified Person System. Mm -hmm. That didn't exist until 2003. So even NamUs wasn't around when Michael vanished. Michael's family now tries to remember the Michael they knew before he started making headlines as a missing person. 
his quick humor, his loud laugh, his love of music, and the close relationship he had with his brothers. At the time of his disappearance, Michael Negretti was 5 feet 8 inches tall and weighed 130 pounds. He had short cropped black hair, and he was last seen wearing a blue plaid shirt and khaki shorts. If you have any information regarding the disappearance of Michael Negretti, please contact the UCLA Police Department at 310-825-1491 or the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department at 323-890-5500. Wow. And that's it. Even these missing person cases. I know. I'm just surprised because I know, I mean, I read every missing person's case that comes across. It amazes me that I still find new ones. And while I was researching this one, I found more. Like, it's just incredible to me. It's wild. So, that's it. Yeah. Okay. We love you guys so much. And we will be back with another episode soon. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>